0: This is a paid commercial program. Unless otherwise identified, the guests on the program are employees of or otherwise represent the advertiser. The opinions expressed therein are those of the advertiser and do not necessarily reflect the views and policies of CKNW.
1: Hello and welcome to Vancouver Consumer on CKNW. I'm Manny Bazunas on this edition real estate buying, selling, appraising. But first, a few highlights from this past week. Another Canadian company has fallen victim to COVID. David's Tea, based in Montreal, plans to reopen 18 stores but keep 208 shuttered. Of the 18 to reopen across the nation, only one in Vancouver at Pacific Centre. What happens when our winter flu season meets COVID? Health officials are hoping we don't have to find out. We've learned that both the federal and provincial governments have ordered up an increase in the flu vaccine. Even though the flu is among the 10 leading causes of death, we're happy to report the number of flu cases has dropped. And that is in thanks part to COVID and our awareness of the need for a vaccine and washing our hands. By the year 2040, you'll no longer be able to buy a gas-powered vehicle. On Thursday, the provincial government passed new rules to make sure all vehicles will be zero emission. In other words, electric or hybrid. If you owe the Canadian government taxes, you now have until the end of September to pay them and not accrue interest charges. There is some added incentive to pay ASAP to ensure you're not cut off from benefits such as the Canadian Child Benefit. For the third straight year, BC's top executives have taken a pay cut on average about 16%. However, uh, we won't be holding any tag day for these execs, who still earn, on average, more than $3 million a year. And Vancouver City Council finally approved a pilot project allowing alcohol in four public plazas beginning August 10th. The North Plaza at the Art Gallery, the corner of Hornby and West Hastings, the plaza on Butte Street, just south of Robson, and a temporary pop-up plaza West 17th and Canby. John Carlson, 2% Realty Johnnysmartpoint.com or John's direct number six zero four46 612 80 John this is becoming quite a regular thing I know because you were on last week and now this week uh, because we didn't get through all of the stuff we wanted to talk to you about last week so we invited you back on it has been a busy. July, I was looking at some figures, and I know uh, when you looked at them, too, uh, you were not surprised that July is shaping up to be the best July in terms of sales of real estate in British Columbia since 2017.
2: Yes, it is. Thanks uh, for having me back. There is quite a bit to talk about because, um, as some people are aware, the real estate market continues to heat up again. Um, After the slowdown that we've had in July, the numbers have not yet been released because we're just into the first day of August now. So within the next couple of days, the real estate boards of the Fraser Valley and Greater Vancouver will be issuing their statistics for July. Uh, I can tell you that all indications are from uh, my business um, and from the other agents I'm dealing with and working with is that we're back to what I would call a pretty hot market. Uh, June uh, was a good month uh, last month because uh, we kind of climbed back into, you know, the 10-year average territory range after being way, way down during March and April and May. And I think July uh, has shown to be fantastic in terms of activity. I would suggest that more and more people are cautiously and carefully entering the market and looking at properties um, and feeling a little more comfortable about, you know, potentially having people through their home and selling. And um, I'm going to predict that August is going to carry right through with that trend. I know some people will be taking holidays, and that's typically the thing in August. But right now, uh, there's a lot of momentum in the market throughout Greater Vancouver and the Fraser Valley, and uh, you know I'm definitely going to capitalize on that by by being available and uh, being at work.
1: I would think some of the Pre pandemic sales that we're now seeing being outdone, uh, sort of as we wind our way through and hopefully out of uh, the pandemic. I think a lot of it um, has to do with the supply because the supply dropped off, and all of a sudden people are going, Well, where are all the houses for sale? Oh, okay, I better get on it.
2: Yeah, I think that's right. That's the major difference between, say, the slowdown that we've just gone through and what happened back in 2007. In 2007, um, people lost confidence uh, in the uh, global economy, I guess you could say, uh, and the sellers continued to put their homes on the market, but the buyers stayed away, and that created an imbalance. And again, this business, real estate, is largely a supply and demand business, and uh, the supply you know, exceeded demand, and we had some slowdowns. Now that we rebounded from that quite quickly, But the difference this time seems to be that we had an equal measure of reduction in terms of people entering the market to purchase and putting their homes on the market. So the ratio sort of stayed the same. So... I kind of call it um, a bit of a pause. We had a pause in the market, the sales dropped, the listings dropped, and now they seem to be entering, you know, the market listings are hitting on a regular basis, buyers are entering the market, and the ratios have stayed about the same. And I, I think that's why when you look at uh, pricing, uh, you know, each segment is a little bit different in ev- other areas. But overall, the pricing has remained relatively consistent. We didn't take a hit in pricing. In fact, some of the higher demand affordable segments have increased a bit in price. So. Everything's looking very positive right now for any listeners out there who might be considering putting their home on the market and maybe making a move to another property. Um, so, again, a very positive signs.
1: John Carlson, 2% Realty, joining us on this edition of Vancouver Consumer on CKNW. I'm Manny Bozunas. JohnnySmartPoint.com. JohnnySmartPoint.com. John's direct number is 604 612 Uh, John, I want you to sit back and enjoy the next conversation because it's with one of your uh, clients. We thought we'd get a hold of Paul uh, because you worked diligently on uh, Paul's behalf to not only sell his current home, but uh, buy them a new home or at least help in the search for the new home. And we thought we would invite Paul uh, to join us this afternoon on Vancouver Consumer. Uh, Hello, Paul. First of all, how did you get hold of John Carlson?
3: So I knew John uh, while we were at the same church. So he, w- he was attending the church that uh, we went to and then where I pastored uh, for 20 years. So that's how we got to know them, and they became really good friends of our family.
1: And what the, what was the situation you were in when you uh, began looking for another house? What pro- what prompted uh, the process to begin?
3: Well, because I got a new job in Langley, and uh, we had actually stayed here a year uh, Uh, longer than, uh, you know, I'd started a year earlier in the job, but I stayed in Maple Ridge, and we just found that being part of the community is really important, so we decided that we needed to be part of the community where I was working, and uh, that's why we decided that we should probably move, and it was probably our second attempt, uh, because uh, when we first got our job, when I first got the job, uh, we started that moving process right away, and then we realized that um we actually didn't have what we needed to actually move and john was really even helpful in getting us to that spot of realization and so we just took a big step back and waited and uh john just even at that point just every now and then just kept reaching out to us to see if there was anything we needed and uh so that's why we we stayed working with john through that process
1: so ultimately the process uh, was as easy as john could make it for you you bet oh yeah tell us a little bit about uh, your new place
3: So our new house is actually um, one of the things that we felt in this whole process as we were moving to Langley is that we were going to have to downgrade because uh, of just of the market prices, the difference in the prices. Um, And so we were we were pretty disappointed with that and discouraged with it, but knew that we needed to move. And so it didn't matter. We were just going to move ahead with it. And uh, all the way along, John just kept saying, hey, listen, there's a house out there for you. Uh, don't worry about it, don't worry about what we're seeing right now, that's just what's here right now, there, should, there could be something coming up later on. And uh, we tried different markets, we thought, well, let's go right into the heart of Langley, let's try, you know, we we thought we'd end up in a town home so we started to resign ourselves to that and started looking at that or or some row home. And uh, then I was just uh, looking online a little bit, and, and this area out in Alder Grove, Aberdeen area that uh, we hadn't looked at before, uh, poor John, we put him through the ringer. We tried all sorts of things, but he was so patient with us. And uh, and then all of a sudden, we uh, in this area, we decided we'd look just a little bit beyond even the Alder Grove area into Aberdeen, and there the house was, and it was it's perfect for us. You know we. It's, it's actually an upgrade for what we currently have, which is great. It's got a nice yard. It's got four bedrooms. It's, uh, it's just perfect for us. And we walked in and we knew it was our home right away. We just felt so comfortable. And I think John was even surprised. He said, are you sure? And I said, yeah, we're sure. This is it. And, uh, he said, cause you know, there's, there might be something else out there. Don't, don't feel rushed. And so he never rushed us through the process, but he was right from the get-go. When we, when we, uh, found our home, we would know it. And that's exactly what that was for us.
1: And how about selling the current home before you made the move? Yeah, selling the current
3: home was was uh a bit of a challenge. We had no idea what to expect in the market, especially when, especially when we started this this journey was pre COVID and we actually listed our house uh after the start of COVID. And uh that was the crazy stuff where John just didn't know, right? And neither did we. He said, I have no idea what this market's going to be like. I know right now that nothing is selling. And I I kept in my head, I'm going, well, if nothing's selling, then there's no problem. We'll put it on the market, see what happens. And and so he was really, again, patient with us, but held us off just, just enough until the market just started to do a little bit of an uptick. And for us, that was that was perfect because uh within you know the first day of, of showing as soon as we put the house on the market we had uh, people wanting to see it right away and that was exciting and from that first day of people that was where our that was where our purchaser got was it was right there uh they came in they we were one of the first people to look at the house they they tried to do the the bottom uh purchase bottom sell uh, you know fire sale type uh price um, and John just walked us through that again. And uh, that was the really neat thing. As a family that you know hasn't moved in over a decade, I think John did a great job guiding us through the process of selling um, so that we could get the most for our house that we possibly could. And so there was a lot of back and forth. And I had no idea. And he was just wonderful. He just led us through that. And I believe he firmly got us the best price we could in our house. And I think we got the best price of anybody that sold around here in a very long time. So that was a great thing.
1: It really pays to have an experienced real estate agent working on both sides, both buying and selling, you know, an experienced real estate agent like a John Carlson. I don't think there's any question about it.
3: You bet. Yeah, and because and lots of people don't, you know, like, like us, they don't move every day. They don't move in, you know, a decade or whatever. And so you just don't know what's going on. You, you need to have somebody that actually knows the market that can guide you through it. Um, because of course, yes, we wanted, we listed way higher than we probably should have, but it was more of a testing of it. And, and in situations like COVID and, and you know, unstable market, um there's there's things you should do and then there's things you shouldn't do. And um, I think John helped us to do exactly what we needed to do uh, so that we didn't lose any, any purchasers or we didn't lose any people that were interested. Uh, and it was the same for us when we were purchasing too. He helped guide us through that and, uh, did such a great job, uh, that we actually shouldn't have even gotten the house that we got because, uh, there was other offers and they were better than ours and, and, but it was just that sense of how he presented us and, and that was a really good thing as well that, when you have a real estate agent that presents the, cu- the customer well, um, that actually goes a long ways. And for us, that actually bridged the, the financial gap that we had from what we were purchasing. Uh, I don't think if I had any other real estate agent, we wouldn't have gotten this house. I think it was because he handled himself so well that they, the other couple, the couple that was selling, just felt more comfortable even with him or his, his real estate agent. And uh, we were shown favor in that. So that was pretty awesome.
1: Well, John, it's pretty nice to be described as pretty awesome.
3: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it sure is. Uh, it's,
2: it's great to hear that. I've, I'm almost speechless because, um, you know, I really care about Paul and his family quite a bit, and to be able to work for them was an honor, and uh, to hear that just makes my day. So thank you, Paul, and working for you was a pleasure. And to any listeners out there, again, I'd love to repeat this process. If you're thinking of selling, you can, you can always call me.
1: JohnnySmartPoint.com is John Carlson's website, John Carlson 2% Realty. John's direct number is 604-612-0080. It's always a pleasure, too, John, when you hear a client say, I got as much or more than we thought we would get for the house we were selling.
2: Yes, uh you know sellers uh, you know need the money they want to sell for everything their house is worth. Nobody wants to leave any money on the table and again that 's where strategy comes in and strategy is often based on uh, reading correctly reading what the lay of the land is in the market and what the competition is doing, and uh, you know how many potential buyers are in your segment and that sort of thing. So you know we came up with a segment. I think Paul mentioned it. We started a little bit high because there was really nothing for them to buy, and we weren 't in a hurry. Uh, and then with just a slight adjustment, as Paul mentioned, we you know we did have um, a few people that had shown interest in the house, and um, you know there was some negotiating going on. If I recall correctly, the, on the sale of his house, that deal was negotiated over not just a day or two, but more like a week or two. So um, in the end, um, the timing was right, the offer was right, and uh, you know the right house did reveal itself. I think one thing that buyers don't realize sometimes is they sell their house and they have three months to look and they don't realize that, you know, the first week goes by, they don't see anything. Well, really, you're looking at listings that have been on the market a while, and other buyers have already picked them over. So, you know, sometimes when the inventory is somewhat limited in your segment, it's not the houses that are on the market now, it's the ones that are coming up in the near future, and and that turned out to be the case uh, with Paul and Julie as well, yeah.
1: Well, I, I thought one of the more interesting things that uh, Paul told us uh, during the interview, John, was that how nicely you marketed uh, he and his wife and his family to the person selling the home. I think that is just so critical. People selling their home want to make sure that, you know, for whatever sentimental value there is, uh, that their home that they're selling is going to be in good hands. You know, that's a great point, because in, a, in any
2: offer situation, this is important, but in a multiple offer situation, it's, it's even more critical uh, for the agent representing the buyers to convey to the sellers that the Uh, buyers are good people, that they're qualified, that they're serious, um, that they're um, not going to be uh, nitpicking here and there and we, we, you know, when we wrote that offer we did our research ahead of time and we didn't have it subject to, you know, everything under the sun. We reviewed the title search and the disclosure and all the covenants on the property first and came in with an offer that was clean, uh, relatively clean. I mean there's inspections and financing approvals and things like that usually. Um, But, you know, we we had a clean offer and it's very, very important, uh, especially in a multiple offer situation, to give that seller and that seller's agent comfort that, hey, if we get a deal together with us, this thing is going to happen. We're prepared and we're serious and we've already done our due diligence. And, uh, you know, you're absolutely right. It's one one of the overlooked things sometimes where, you know, it's more than just what's written on the paper. It's how... That is conveyed. And, uh, yeah, my understanding was we were not the highest offer price-wise, but we were given a chance because uh, they had comfort with us, the sellers and the seller's agents. So, again, hey, that's part of the job as well, to represent your clients well and uh, put them in the best possible light so they can be successful. Because when you find a house that you want, you want to get it. You don't want to miss out and have to, you know, carry on and look again. So I'm I'm very happy that things worked out the way they did. And and just to hear, uh, you know, how happy Paul and Julie are about the process makes me, you know, just reinforces uh, the reason I get up every day and go to work. I, I'm really happy about it.
1: And one of the reasons you come on Vancouver Consumer on CKNW, John Carlson, 2% Realty, johnnysmartpoint.com, johnnysmartpoint.com john's direct number 604-612-0080 i'm manny bazunas joined again uh, for the rest of this hour by john carlson two percent realty johnny smartpoint.com john's direct number 604-612-0080 612-0080 i want to thank uh paul uh, for joining us in the uh, first segment of this hour paul a client of john's boy he one happy guy uh he and his wife sold their home moved to a A larger home, uh, and there was a a sense of urgency, but he was just so pleased with the process and John Carlson's marketing of him to the seller, which helped uh, secure that new home and uh, really appreciate Paul's time this afternoon for joining us. You have also got some clients, uh, John, that are looking to escape uh, the madhouse that uh, can be parts of the lower mainland. I am seeing more and more figures, at least, I don't know if these are wanted wishes or uh, what exactly They are, but I am seeing uh, sales spike in some more of the remote areas of British Columbia—not necessarily remote, but you know, uh, not in the mainstream. Let's put it that way: Sunshine Coast, um, Okanagan, uh, some northern communities, uh, Vancouver uh, Island—you name it. These properties are being at least looked at.
2: Absolutely, it's always been a you know a trend uh, locally in Greater Vancouver and the Fraser Valley that some people at a certain time maybe it's retirement or other times say hey why don't we cash out and get out of the rat race and move to somewhere a little bit more remote and and that's always been you know a a trend in in the local industry and you see it all the time Uh, i've been reading a lot and actually my anecdotal evidence of clients that i've been working with lately might suggest that you know uh given um the closeness of urban areas maybe, and COVID and all the other things, That I I think perhaps that maybe the trend has kind of increased in the last little while, because just anecdotally, I've had clients, you know, uh, selling in Maple Ridge and moving to Vernon. I've got other people I'm working with actually this week who are selling in Coquitlam and looking, uh, you know, at Chilliwack. Uh, I've had clients uh, who have said, uh, Port Moody recently, who said, you know, we're we're just going to get out of here. We're done. Uh, We're retired, and we're going to go to Vancouver Island, and they moved to Duncan. So, um, you know, this is just a small sampling, obviously, but I do believe that um, there are people who are looking at the time, the situation and saying, hey, you know what, the market's good right now. I can sell for a good price and, and I can, you know, move to these other areas. And, and that's generally why people say there's a ripple effect. You know, it starts off in greater Vancouver and in the, in the more in the more town centers and because pricing generally gets a little more affordable as you move away from those big centers that People sell and they move out, and if the market's really, really hot in, say, Greater Vancouver and uh, Burnaby and New Westminster, sometimes you're only about two months away from that market heating up and prices rippling out in, say, Abbotsford. I remember a few years ago when, you know, you could buy a, a nice townhouse in Abbotsford for about three hundred thousand dollars, and the market was going crazy in Greater Vancouver. And then within a few months, boy, those townhouses were selling. And the next thing you know, uh, three, four months later, they were more like four hundred thousand dollars because the demand just kind of picked up. So you know, there's a ripple effect that starts in the major hubs and moves its way outward. And, you know, I think that, again, it always happens. But right now, maybe people are thinking a little bit more seriously about taking their home equity and moving to an area where it's maybe a little bit quieter, uh, a little bit more space to, you know, do what they want to do. So that's always been a trend. I'm seeing it now. It'll continue in the future. um, And uh, I'm always available for people if they want to do that. I do have partners or agents that I know in some of these other areas, and I can recommend, you know, good agents to talk to in some of these areas for looking at buying, and I don't work in those areas. I tend to focus on Greater Vancouver and the Fraser Valley.
1: 604-612-0080 is how you reach John Carlson of 2% Realty. Let's talk about that 2%. John, that is the commission structure. It's a flat rate. Tell us about that.
2: Sure. Commissions are always uh, negotiable, I would say. Uh, There are uh, different business models out there, and uh, the vast majority of agents that I've uh, worked with have uh, worked under a commission structure of seven percent of the first hundred thousand dollars of your sale price, plus two and a half percent of the balance. And you'll you'll see that quite a bit. I've seen seven percent and three. Uh, there are other companies charging less. Uh, one of the reasons I've branded myself as SmartPoint is because um, I my commission structure, I believe, is in the right spot where. You know, you're not cutting any corners. Um, I do full service. uh, You know, 3D tours, uh, pictures, open houses. Back when we were doing open houses, we might do them again uh, in the future. But the point is, uh, my commission structure saves based on that seven and two and a half. Usually about thirty or forty percent commission. So I've got clients in different segments saving six thousand dollars, ten thousand dollars compared to some of the other agents they've talked to, and. You know, people, again, I say this, I don't think it's a good idea to pick an agent solely on commission structure, probably not the best idea, but if you can find an agent who has the experience level and a a, a track record of success, who can get you from A to B, more or less the way Paul described, and while at the same time saving money over the competition, I think that's a smart place to be, and that's where I've positioned myself, and uh, my clients generally are pretty happy about that.
1: I think you did a great job on your website, johnnysmartpoint.com, and outlining some of the savings. You took a typical uh, commission structure and then compared it to your own on various price points. And boy, those savings are enormous in terms of commission. And as we always say here at Vancouver Consumer, John, uh, that dollar is better in my pocket than anybody else's.
2: (laughs) I agree. I agree, (laughs) yes. And most of my clients would say the same thing, I think.
1: Okay, let's talk about something that has really been a pain in the wallet, and that is condo insurance fees. I have got to think... Uh, with this boondoggle going on, people facing ultra-high condo insurance fees, that that has dampened the condo market a little bit.
2: I think it has. Uh, you have to be more careful when you're looking at um, condo buildings now. Uh, I think that this this insurance, I'll call it an insurance crisis, maybe, maybe that's an overstatement, but um, I think this is something that's going to carry on for some time. There's no quick and easy fixes, um, and I have been involved with with condos that are good buildings, but the insurance certificate is about to expire and we don't know if it's going to be renewed and maybe the building only has 80% coverage and not 100% coverage. And in those sorts of cases, lenders won't lend on a building that's not 100% coverage. So this is going to carry on. Um, the majority of the buildings that have some issues are, are maybe buildings with bad claims history, or maybe they are buildings that have not filed depreciation reports and maybe have their heads buried in the sand and there's all kinds of deferred maintenance that's not being looked after. Insurance companies are pretty cautious about those kind of things. High rises can be expensive because, you know, you have a 25th floor leak, it's going to affect potentially people below. So construction costs, the lack of the number of insurers out there uh, have all added up to a situation where insurance companies are running a little bit behind in, in, in renewing policies, they're being more selective, and I think it's, you know, at least in part similar to, uh, you know, a contractor maybe who's building sundecks and that sort of thing. If he's busy, 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 and somebody throws a job at him, he, maybe he'll throw a big number saying, hey, if I get the job, great. If not, you know, I'm fine. So I think some of these insurance companies are throwing some pretty big rate increases at some of these buildings. And if they don't get the policy, if the insurance company doesn't get that job, they're probably just as happy because maybe they've avoided some problems. So uh, newer buildings, generally not a big deal. But even in those buildings, I'm seeing, you know, the minimum I've seen uh, for a renewed building has been a 20% increase uh, for insurance costs. And most of the time, that's just tacked onto the maintenance fee. So it might be a, you know, a $20, $30 maintenance fee increase. But I have seen others and heard of others where it's hundreds of dollars and that makes buildings tough to sell or else they're going to the Contingency Reserve Fund or looking to pass a, a levy uh, to get insurance in place, so you know this is that hurts the affordability and it hurts the confidence a little bit. Having said that, good condos are still affordable; they're still in demand, uh, but buyers want to be careful and make sure you go in with your eyes open and you're aware of uh, one of the mo- one thing that you know one more thing to think about is of course what's the in- status of the insurance policy.
1: Well, not only that, I think it's important, to, John, to understand all of the minutes of the strata council, and I know you can help potential buyers with that. Understand what is in the strata books.
2: Yes. You, you know, offers on strata properties are pretty much always a written subject to the buyer reviewing and approving uh, the strata documents. And I think people need to recognize that any building will have a maintenance schedule, uh, whether it's a condo or a detached house. The thing with a strata property, though, is you've got a shared ownership, a shared responsibility of the common property. So it's not really your sole decision about how and when you know, repairs or investments are made, it's done as a, as a collective uh, group. So, uh, you know, you lose a little bit of control there. Uh, so you want to make sure that, you know, just as if you were buying a business, you want to look at the fundamentals of the financials and that sort of thing. You want to look into a strata property and understand what is the status in terms of uh, the maintenance history, what's coming due, uh, what's, what money is coming in, what money is going out, and is this a, a proper place for me to invest. So, yeah, you want somebody to look at those sorts of things for sure.
1: Is the first thing you look at the contingency reserve because, you know, nothing worse than a knock on your door from the strata president saying, well, you know what, based on your square footage, uh, we need you to donate uh, an extra $10,000 this year.
2: Yes, uh, you want to look at the financial statements, uh, you know, that usually are accompanied uh, by the Form B. Um, you want to look at uh, all kinds of things like that. Uh, it, uh, depreciation reports, are; they can be kind of scary to look at because they project into the future the cost of doing repairs on a roof that might not need doing for 15 years. Uh, and, and so you look at them and you think, oh, my goodness, like, look, look at all these things. But if you keep in mind that every building has a maintenance schedule, uh, you can look at a depreciation report and find out, oh, hey, you know what? The roof's only five years old. It's got a 25- t- or 30-year 30 old thirty-year warranty. Uh, that's a good sign. We're probably covered. The balconies may have been redone if it's an older building, uh, you know, plumbing. Um, the major expenditures, <clears throat> excuse me, uh, if, they're, if they've been looked after or at least are on track and the budget is there to... <clears throat> fix or replace these, uh, these things, then you're probably in a pretty good building. But again, you want to look at all those things before you uh, even think of a price that you're going to offer on a property.
1: Uh, John, in the minute and a half that we've uh, got left, there is some urgency to either buy or sell over the next month. Kids are going back to school, or so it seems, and uh, you want to get everything sort of settled if you're considering a move uh, before uh, summer ends.
2: Yeah, a lot of people have that school starting deadline. Is hey, I want to move before my kids start school. I guess right now there's a question, will school start in September? Uh, Nobody knows, I think, at this point in time. Um, But it may be, you know, this year, a little bit of a different market. People that might have moved in the spring have delayed their their move, delayed their decisions. And so I'm going to go out on a limb and say that August will not uh, suffer any slowdown. There are people who want to get in before school starts, but if they can't do that, I'm sure that a lot of them will be fine moving in September or October or even November. So my guess right now is that the market will continue. Uh, It's been in an upward trend the last few months. It may plateau, which would be fine because things are quite busy right now. But I think that uh, the timing has not been better since, say, last September or October uh, in terms of, having an active market who could look at your property and give you a good price for your home and also having uh, enough choice to look for a new property and coordinate the purchase and the sale and make a good move the way Paul did.
1: Well, it's always uh, in your uh, one-word answer some weeks ago when you uh, came on with us here at Vancouver Consumer, John, always be Prepare John Carlson, 2% Realty, joining us on this edition of Vancouver Consumer. It's CKNW, johnnysmartpoint.com, johnnysmartpoint.com. John's direct number is 604-612-0080, 612 You are listening to Vancouver Consumer on CKNW. I'm Manny Bazunas. Back in a moment. Welcome back to Vancouver Consumer on CKNW. I'm Manny Bazunas. Time now for yet another edition of Ask Andrew, Andrew Farrar, our executive producer here at Vancouver Consumer. I can tell just by looking at you, Andrew, that you are a ride guy.
0: Surprisingly, I'm not. Actually, <laughs> I'm, 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 uh, whenever, you know, whenever, uh, when I was young and we'd go to Playland or the Peony, uh, I was never the kid who would be the first in line to get on rides. I was always the first kid in line to get donuts. Oh, Okay and that's why I'm still tubby, um, but you know if donuts are your thing and you've been kind of craving them and you're kind of sad because what would the pandemic the peony and playland have been kind of you know mum quiet a little bit, maybe not a great idea for you. Uh, I've got good news uh, playland uh, reopened in uh, early July. Um, And geez, it's already August and starting today, which is August the 1st uh, Playland uh, is going to be operating from 11 a.m. to 5 p.m. You can pre purchase your tickets that hasn't changed, but what has changed that they're going to be opening some of the new rides Uh, they're not new, but they're new to this. I guess year Uh, the wooden roller coaster is finally going to be open today. Uh, the Beast is finally going to be open today. The Pirate Ship is finally going to be open today. Uh, the Music Express, which is one of the only rides I really remember going on, uh, is going to be open today, uh, as well as the Atmosphere, uh, Rockin' Cars, Dizzy Drop, Revelation, and the West Coast Wheel, uh, as well the PNE is going to be hosting another edition of the Taste of the PNE series uh and this being the long weekend it starts today August the 1st uh so if you want to uh you know purchase a drive through or a dine in experience you got to pre order these online so get in line for your tickets for tomorrow and Monday uh each ticket is 4950 uh it includes admission live entertainment dinner d- and a drink uh and some of the vendors is going to be Henry's chicken uh Stevo's deep fried desserts which Delicious and a selection of BC craft beer cider and wine also delicious Uh, attendees that uh, want to do the dine in uh, will be be dining in an outdoor setting and there will be a physically distanced 50 person capacity for it, so you might want to snap up those tickets pretty quick. But as well, Playland is going to be, uh, they will continue to be doing their uh, health and safety measures. They've got limited capacity. They've got, uh, you know, uh, touchless transactions, plexiglass shield, uh, hand, sanitization, uh, hand sanitization systems, and, of course, mandatory masks.
1: Well, well you were first to report on Vancouver Consumer some weeks ago that they were going to be opening up some rides at Playland. And you had said at that time, as I recall, uh, that they were eyeballing opening up more stuff if all went well. So I'm just assuming that... All went well.
0: Well, it seems that things have been going well enough that they've said, you know what? Let's let them have their fun. So, again, uh, that's all starting today. The uh, Taste of the Peony is happening all through this long weekend. Uh, so, you know, get out there. Enjoy it.
1: Andrew Ferreira, our executive producer here at Vancouver Consumer. You are listening to Vancouver Consumer on CKNW. I'm Manny Bazunas. Back in a moment.